0: Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's word to be empowered and challenged today. All right, I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. We are going to be looking at the promises In the Lord's Supper. Let me read verse 23, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul says to the church in Corinth, which was a really messy church, by the way, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The word of God. This is our last sermon in the promises of God. And I really hope that as you reflect Back on the series that you have been strengthened by God's commitment and his unchanging character and his faithful, faithful promises, our hope was that during this time, as you feel all the burdens of the world around you, that you would feel some, uh, some uh, space to rest in who God is. And as the world changes, you would know that God does not. And as the world seems restless, you would know that you can rest in who he is. And today, we are finishing our series by looking at the promises in the Lord's Supper. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, we have the elements of bread and wine right here next to me. Um, that's all we need to do the Lord's Supper, the, this thing that was instituted by Jesus on the night that he was betrayed. Now, people from different church backgrounds call it different things, some people call are most familiar with calling it communion, and the word communion comes from 1 Corinthians 10, 16, which says, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? That that word sharing is the Greek word koinonia, which means commonality, common union, participation. That's where we get the word communion. Some people, though, are more familiar with calling it the Eucharist, the Eucharist. And that comes from Matthew 26, 27, where it says, Then Jesus took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you. And that word Eucharist is that word giving thanks in the Greek. So some of you are familiar with that. And then as we tend to call it here in New City, we call it the Lord's Supper, and that is a little bit of a play on the fact that it was the Last Supper on the night that Jesus was betrayed before he went to the cross, Jesus said, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. But whatever you're used to calling it, what you call it isn't the point. It's more about what you see in it, or if I can say this, what you see through it. One of my favorite toys growing up was this little red viewfinder. Anybody remember these growing up? And it was just a simple thing. I I think I called it a red viewfinder. I don't know what other people called it. Um, And it was just a simple red plastic toy until you put it up to your eyes and held it up to the light. Because you could put a disc in the top And those little squares that you see in that little disc would whisk you away to magical 3D worlds. You would would look, and and as you put your eyes up to the viewfinder, you would be taken right into a scene from a movie, right? Like Star Wars, you would would be there on the speeder bikes in 3D. Or you might put in a, a different disc, and it might be the national parks. You might see the Grand Canyon. And you probably uh, can remember maybe the first time you saw one of those, that you looked at it and, whoa, what, what's, what's around there? Is it really there? It looks so simple. We don't even know what to call it. But it wasn't about looking at it. It wasn't about what we call it. It was about looking through it. Similar thing with the Lord's Supper. What do we see as we look through just bread that we have from Publix, juice that we bought from the juice aisle, Hopefully you went the right way down that aisle when you went to go buy it. Charles Spurgeon, the great prince of preachers, said this about the Lord's Supper. Never mind the bread and the wine unless you can use them as folks often use their spectacles. What do they use them for? To look at? No. To look through them. So use the bread and wine as a pair of spectacles. Look through them and do not be satisfied until you can say, yes, yes, I can see the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. We believe that Jesus Christ spiritually comes to us and refresh and refreshes us. And in that sense, we eat his flesh and drink his blood. What Spurgeon is saying is that, We have to look through these elements. We have to even look to these elements with spiritual eyes, with eyes of faith. And then we start to get the point what this is really about. Well, what do we see when we look at the world through the Lord's Supper? Well, it changes the way that we look at ourselves. It changes the way that we look at others. It changes the way we look at God. And it changes the way that we look at the future. First of all, when we look through the Lord's Supper, Jesus wants us to see a commemoration. A commemoration of the cross. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. In fact, a lot of churches have a communion table, and on the front of that table it says, do this in remembrance of me. That word remembrance means memorial. It is a commemoration of Jesus' obedience to go to the cross for us, in his sacrifice and dying on the cross in our place. And it's significant that Jesus institutes this memorial at Passover, at a Passover meal that commemorated the great salvation of Israel out of slavery from Egypt and into freedom and into relationship with God. And at the Passover meal that Jesus ate this meal this Lord's Supper at, there was no lamb, because Jesus was about to be the lamb that was sacrificed on the cross. See, Israel would go on to not be faithful to God after he rescued them. They would disobey him, and they would need sacrifice after sacrifice. They would need lamb after lamb, animal after animal that would be slaughtered to atone for their sins. Yet Jesus is saying something is changing here tonight. He says this cup is about a new covenant, a new way of relating to God where you don't rely on your own obedience and then sacrifice after sacrifice when you disobey, but you rely on my obedience for you and a final sacrifice that's happening on the cross. And so, when we look through this, first of all, we see a memorial of what God has done through Jesus' obedience, through Jesus being punished for us, through our debt being paid in full. And what that means is as we see a memorial, as we see see a commemoration, it changes the way we see ourselves and the way that we see God. Uh, First of all, makes us see ourselves for who we really are as we look through the supper because we are reminded that we are sinners and we aren't just a little bit of sinners we are big sinners and god does not like sin god does not like sin he is righteous and just and we cannot just have relationship with a holy god who hates sin And so we have to realize that when we look through this table, the first thing we see about ourselves is that we are sinners. But then as we look through it and look to God, we are reminded that God is a forgiver of sinners. Through Jesus' body that was broken, through his blood that was shed, we are completely and fully forgiven. Because God is a forgiver. He's not just some random God out there. He is the God who sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for sinners like you and me. And Jesus wants you to remember that. Do this in remembrance of me. And what that means is as we look through the lens of this table, that this table is a table of assurance. It's a table of assurance for sinners. Some preacher somewhere just got in trouble for telling everybody, you're enough as you are. And I don't really know what he meant by that, but I I don't agree with it on the first level, and here's why. I'm not enough as I am, but Jesus is. But Jesus is. And this table is for broken people like you and me who are not enough, who are weak sinful, prideful, arrogant, go back to their sins over and over and over again. This table is for us. During this series, I've told you a little bit about my own story, about my own rebellion against Jesus and then returning to him. And when I returned to him, I became, I came back deeply aware of my sin. And like I was aware of my sin in thought, word, and deed. And it seemed like every day I became more and more aware of my sin. And so I would go to church on Sunday, and they would serve the Lord's Supper, and I would never go to take the Lord's Supper. I would stay in my seat. I would stay in my seat. Because as I thought back over the week, I thought, well, I failed God in the way I thought about this i failed God in my heart attitude. This action that I promised I wouldn't do again, I did it again, and so I can't go. And by the way, I got a little frustrated because I saw other people going up to the table, and I'm like, they're just as bad as I am. Why do they get to go take the supper, and I do not? I did not realize that this table is not for perfect people or worthy people. This table is for anybody who says, I am a sinner, and I hate that I am a sinner, but I cannot change. I don't have any hope. All I can do is run to the one who has died for me and ask him to change me. So if you know you are a sinner, and you know that you need forgiveness, and you're willing to say, I want a new life, this table is for you. Not just your present sin, but how do you think about your life? How do you think about your worst mistakes as you look back at your life and you go, Man, 15 years ago, I wish I had not done that and I cannot shake it. And you let that thing identify who you are in your own mind and heart and you're filled with shame and guilt. See yourself through this table as one who is completely and totally forgiven, as as someone who Jesus had his body broken for, his blood was shed for, so that you would not have to live with shame because your guilt has been paid for by Jesus Christ on the cross? To live that way, constantly full of shame and guilt about the past, is not Christian. And Jesus would remind you this morning, see yourself again through the lens of what I've done for you that's represented here on this table. Don't spend your life remembering your worst moments. Remember what I've done for you right here. See yourself through the commemoration of the cross that happened here at this table. But then secondly, see a participation along with the commemoration. 1 Corinthians 10.16 says, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a sharing in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? Whenever the body of Christ is used in the Bible, it all kind of gets mixed together what it means. I mean, first of all, it's the body of Jesus that was literally broken on the cross for you. Uh, But then also by that, it is this bread that represents as a sign and seal of Jesus' broken body. But then also within that, it's you all, as the church, the body of Christ. And the meaning kind of all gets mixed together whenever we talk about the body of Christ. That's why we say you are baptized into the body. You're baptized in the body of Christ. You become one of us who are part of Jesus and united with him. So what that means is this. This isn't just an individual experience between you and God through Jesus. This is a family meal. This is a family meal where we are participating together as members of the body of Christ, eating the body of Christ, remembering that it represents the broken body of Christ for you and for me. In fact, the early church, a lot of times they actually made it into a full-blown meal. They called it love feasts. And they would like eat a ton of food and somewhere in there they would do the Lord's Supper. But we get a sense that that started even in Acts chapter 2 where it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayer. We think that Pretty quickly, these things were meals, and somehow the, the actual ceremony of the Lord's Supper was involved in that somehow. But what that means for you and I is that we can't just see God through the lens of this table, nor can we just see ourselves through the lens of this table, but that we have to see each other through the lens of this table. Other broken sinners are welcome to be forgiven just like you as a broken, well, broken sinner, are welcomed to be forgiven. We hope you're inspired by God's word. What have you learned so far? As you listen, pray about applying it to your life. Let's continue in God's word. One of the challenges in church is that we hurt each other. We get into conflict. We say things, and then we regret it. We do things that offend each other, and that just happens. That's life, and that's church. And if that hasn't happened to you, just wait a little bit. (laughs) Wait a little bit. I I haven't met any perfect people yet at New City Fellowship. I'm still looking for that, that. And if I found a church of perfect people, I would be tempted to leave, honestly, because sometimes sheep bite. Sometimes sheep bite. I'm just kidding. I'm not going anywhere. But I want you to know that if you haven't had some sort of offense or or you haven't felt like someone has wronged you in some way, you haven't been around Christians long enough. Because Christians, like we just said, are sinners. They're not perfect people. We say that a lot in the church, like no perfect people. But the other side of that is there are no perfect people. And people hurt each other. But sometimes what happens in the midst of that is we get hurt or we get into conflict and it makes us uncomfortable, and we walk away from that person or we walk away from that church without ever seeing them through the lens of this table. Without ever seeing them through the lens of this table. And what happens if we forget to look through the lens of this table, uh, we, we elevate their sins and minimize our sins. We elevate their sins and we minimize our sins, but when we see them through the lens of this table, we're reminded that my sin is great, and so is their sin. It's not that they didn't sin, they need the table too. But both of us are great sinners forgiven by a great Savior, and now united together to take communion, common union, as one blended family in Jesus Christ, Tim Chester says it this way, we proclaim his death by eating together as a reconciled community through the cross. The cross humbles us all as we see the extent of our sin, and the cross exalts us all as we're welcomed into God's family. The family that eats together stays together. I mean, even if you think about the night that Jesus instituted this meal, at the table there for the first Lord's Supper was Simon Peter, the zealot who, given the chance, would have wanted to overthrow the oppressive Roman government. He hated them. At the same table was Matthew, the tax collector, the traitor to the Jews, who had gotten in bed, so to speak, with the Roman government and taken money from his own people. And there they are together at the Lord's Supper as one Participating together in the body and blood. The family that eats together stays together. Don't just see yourself through the table, see others through the table as well. But this table is also a table for formation. It's meant to form us internally. It's, it's meant to shape our affections. It's meant to shape our spiritual life. It's just bread and, and wine. Uh, I have many Catholic friends, and a lot of Catholics believe that once you ingest these things, it becomes the actual uh, body of Jesus, like the physical flesh of Jesus and the physical blood of Jesus. And I don't, I don't think that's what the Bible teaches us, but I do believe that Jesus is, in some mysterious way, extra-present in this meal. I mean, God is everywhere, but he's extra present in his promises, reassuring us, strengthening us. A lot of people think that the Lord's Supper uh, relates more to the peace offering in the Old Testament than it does the Passover. And when you went to the temple to sacrifice an animal for your sins, all the other sacrifices included burning the entire animal. It was kind of gruesome, and the entire animal was charred, except for the peace offering. In the peace offering, the animal uh, was cooked, and there was some left over. And as the animal was there and died for your sins so that you could be atoned for, food was left over, and it was symbolic that then you were having a meal with God. He had cleansed you from your sins, but there was something left over so that you could commune with him and feast with him in the peace offering the worshiper drew near the sinfulness was removed but then you ate with God and every time we do this as Jesus said do this in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's atoning death for us Uh, this is meant to form us spiritually it's see every time we do this Jesus is doing something to us. Every time we do this, Jesus is doing something to us. He's strengthening our sense of union with him. He's simultaneously reminding us the utter sinfulness of our sin and yet the finality of his forgiveness. He's showing us that his love has no limits, but he has no reason to love us other than he just chooses to. Every time we take this meal, he is reminding us of his character. He's assuring us of his promises. He's reminding us that we are united to him. He's changing us so that every time we come, we say, I don't, I don't deserve to be here again. And yet he's welcomed me to this table. I, I've sinned again, I've fallen short again, and I hate my sin even more. But I know that I'm loved. Every time we come to this table, it's meant to form us by reminding us of our union with Jesus. Tim Chester goes on to say that it it shapes us so that we become this weird people. Because the world is so busy, but when we come to the table, we find rest. In a a world that's so individualistic, we, we come and we remember that we're together as we take it. We're a community. In a world that's seeking self-fulfillment, we come to the table and we remember, again, the self-sacrificial denial of Jesus that went to the cross willingly for people who didn't deserve it. Every time we come to the table, we're reminded of his humility, his generosity. And that begins to seep into our lives and our hearts and forms us. This table is about formation because the presence of Jesus, the promises of Jesus are here as we partake of this together. But then lastly, it's a table of anticipation. It's a table of anticipation. Every time we take this meal, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We're waiting for something. We're we're looking forward to the future when Jesus returns. And it's interesting that we have this meal Because the first sin, when Adam and Eve rebelled in the garden, it involved food, didn't it? The apple was taken and eaten by Adam and Eve, and their rebellion against God was over food. But when Jesus comes back, we will dine with him in a feast that we call the wedding feast of the Lamb. And and the imagery in the Bible is just enough to go, oh, I can't wait for that to happen. Isaiah, the prophet, in verse twenty in chapter 25, he gives us this picture where it says, On this mountain the Lord of armies will prepare for all the peoples a feast of choice meat, a feast with aged wine, prime cuts of choice meat, fine vintage wine. When he has swallowed up death once and for all, the Lord God will wipe away the tears from every face and remove his people's disgrace from the whole earth For the Lord has spoken. Amen. Amen. And then we see as Scripture continues this picture that John sees of something very similar in Revelation 19. Then I heard something like the voice of a vast multitude, like the sound of cascading waters, and like the rumbling of loud thunder saying, hallelujah, hallelujah because our Lord God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us be glad. Rejoice and give him glory, because the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride, that's us, the church, has prepared herself. She was given fine linen to wear, bright and pure, for the fine linen represents the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, right, blessed are those who Invited to the marriage feast, the marriage feast of the lamb, he also said to me, these words of God are true. Man, I'm ready. I am ready for that. I am ready for some fine cuts of meat, for some aged wine with us as perfected, made holy saints in the presence of Jesus. Jesus. As I look here, I'm reminded of that. As I it? look through it, I'm reminded th- this is an appetizer. It's an appetizer of what's to come in the presence of Jesus. It's meant to remind us that Jesus will return, and he will make all things new, and he will wipe every tear from our eyes, and he will abolish death forever. And then to celebrate that victory, you and I will sit down and have the best meal that we have ever had together in the presence of Jesus. He wants us to come to this table and have our hope renewed in anticipation of his return. Can, as you look through it, can you see your future? This isn't just nice poetic words. The verse ended by saying the words of the Lord are true. This is what will happen to you in Jesus Christ. Can you see your future through this table? Can you see Jesus here? Can you see yourself here? Can you see God through the lens of this table? Can you see each other? Can you see the promises that are for you in this table? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you that you have given us so much assurance right here in these simple elements. You're amazing. We're in awe of you. We thank you for who you are. We pray that the saints would be strengthened this morning as we partake of the supper. We long for you to come back. We long for the full meal and the full presence of all the saints and to see you face to face. But until then, strengthen our faith through this meal now. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.